From St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, friends. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday. If you haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. And I have to confess to you this morning on this Good Shepherd Sunday that I've got a really bad habit. My wife would call it a problem. See here? That I buy books that I never actually finish reading. Is that just me? I buy books and I never finish reading them. I, I want, you know, I buy them, I intend to read them, I want to finish them. But honestly, when it comes to books, I'm like a little kid in a candy store. I'm actually like a little kid in a candy store with ADD because I buy books and I never actually get through them, except recently, a book I'm reading right now, and I've been reading for the past week or so, and I'm hooked. It's called, the book is called The Hero Code by a guy named Admiral William McRaven. Anybody heard of him? It's a great book. I commend it to you. He wrote a book called uh, Make Your Bed not too long ago. It's a short book. Um, but the hero code about McRaven, I'm hooked, man. And I'm, I'm going to finish this book. <laughs> it's only 125 pages, so I can do that in the afternoon. <laughs> but the, the hero code is a book about, the, the subtitle is the part that I, that I think is just awesome. The hero code, quote, and then the subtitle is Lessons Learned from Lives Well lived. They're true stories of heroes, people that are really kind of nobodies, people that are nameless, really are of no account, but they do something which causes people to recognize these people are heroes. And so in the chapter I want to commend to you today, I want to talk about a topic, and that topic is sacrifice. McRaven tells a story, an illustration of sacrifice about a guy, uh, a, a story of a of a guy and a group of his friends, Marines, on a hill, on a hill called 146 in Quang Doc Valley of Vietnam. The date, March 5th, 1968. And as dawn was breaking, this group, small group of Marines were in their trenches, uh, keeping and surveilling, actually, the Viet Cong who were across the valley. And rockets started falling on their positions, and they saw through the dim, through the, uh, the fog and the, and the darkness, they saw Viet Cong soldiers charging at their lines with what are known as satchel chargers. They're these bags of explosives, and you get close enough and you sort of hurl them into the uh, other uh, group's ranks, and they explode and kill people by the dozens. And so as they're watching these people coming in, somebody yells, grenade, and they all hit the deck hit the ground, and boom, this grenade explodes. Two seconds later, another one, grenade, and it's closer. Boom, that one explodes. You can imagine this, the terror that this must have been. Then finally, this man by the name of Ralph Johnson looks down and sees a grenade land in their trench, and it hits his friend's boot, bounces off. And Ralph Johnson yells, grenade. And he jumps on the on the, uh, on the grenade, and it blows him up, but he saves his friends. Johnson, Ralph Johnson, was a 17-year-old, brand-new baby Marine who jumped onto that grenade for one reason, to shield his friends from the blast. Friends, shielding his fellow Marines from certain death. The grenade ripped through his body, killing him instantly. McRaven actually follows that story with a quote that this young man from Charleston lived the biblical scripture of John 15, verse 13, which you'll know. 
Jesus' own words, greater love has no man than he lays down his life for his friends. See, being a hero, part of being a hero, there's lots of different aspects to this topic, but part of being, being a hero that I want to dial in on today is this idea of, of sacrifice, laying down your life for someone else. And the reason I bring this to you is because today is Good Shepherd Sunday, and Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd, and in fact, he is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for his sheep, that he sacrifices his life for you and me. So two points today I'm going to look at as we consider this idea of sacrifice and this Good Shepherd Sunday. What, what is it, point one, what is it that makes Jesus the good shepherd, right? Not a pretty good shepherd, but the good shepherd. What is it that makes him the good shepherd? And then secondly, how do the sheep respond? So first thing, what does it mean? What does it actually mean to call Jesus a good shepherd? Well, let me just challenge you on one thing. I've never raised sheep. I know nothing about sheep. I've had sweaters made out of sheep's fur. What do they call it? Wool? But I, I don't know. I know nothing about sheep, but I do know this. I do have a dog, and his name is actually Francis, but we call him Moppy because he's Moppy, and he's dumber than a bag of hammers, but he's cute. And I'm telling you right now, if it, came, if it was me or Moppy, guess what? Sorry, Mop, but here you go. Well, a, a shepherd, a good, even a, even a moderately competent shepherd doesn't, doesn't die for his sheep. I mean, and I want you to consider that because Jesus is talking to fishermen and shepherds, and he says, yeah, I'm the good shepherd, and I die for them. And they're like, what? What? What does it mean to call this good shepherd good? I want to disabuse you of something. That's why I'm telling you about this idea of what he says, being the good shepherd, dying for a sheep is just insane. And the reason I'm telling you that is most of us have an image in our heads of the good shepherd. It's something like this. Jesus, the good shepherd, right? He's got long hair and a big flowy dress. He's got rooty cheeks. He looks like something from a Breck commercial, frankly. But he's smiling and he's standing there with all these little sheep frolicking around, hopping around through the fields with butterflies and pretty flowers. And, and they're snuggling up against him, and you know, you, get, you know what I mean, right? That's the image in the Good Shepherd that we have. And in fact, um, I almost got fired to this in my last job, but over the altar at Church of the Good, Church of, uh, sorry, Trinity Church in Red Bank, New Jersey, there's a great, great big Tiffany window over the altar. I mean, huge. And it's a picture of this very image. It's Jesus. It's a Victorian um, stained glass, which is why it has this image, but it's this sort of effeminate, you know, 125-pound soaking wet Jesus with a bunch of little sheep frolicking around him, and he's holding one sheep, and he's smiling at it, and they're all looking at him with these adoring eyes. And let me just say this. If that sounds to you like a storybook image, it's because it is. It is true that sheep are an image found in Scripture all throughout, right? This idea of a sheep and a shepherd. But friends, let me just uh, make a point here that this idea of sheep and shepherd is not exactly a, uh, a flattering image. I'll tell you a story. Um, at one point, way back before, I was sort of deciding to become an Anglican or Orthodox. And uh, my wife said, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. So here we are. Um, but one, it actually is kind of funny. We were, it was an Orthodox, an Orthodox church outside of Media, Pennsylvania, where I, not far from where I was living at the time. And we were there on Good Shepherd Sunday, and the priest got up, stood up and he said, uh, 
He said, today, he had a very deep voice. He said, today is Good Shepherd Sunday. He said, sheep are smelly. Sheep are dirty. This is how he preached, too. Totally unengaging. Sheep are stupid. You are sheep. That's what he said. Thanks, Father. Honestly, I I will tell you something. I was offended by that, but actually that's, that's actually kind of, kind of the point, because not only are sheep dirty, smelly, and stupid, right? Uh, the worst part about sheep is that they don't know that they're dirty and smelly and stupid, right? It's one thing to know you got something wrong with you so you can engage it, but if you don't even know, man, forget it. And so these sheep, they're like, they're, they're hopeless. They are helpless. They are, you know, you will never meet, you will never meet, ever, you will never meet in your life a feral sheep, ever. You'll never meet a wild sheep with fangs and horns. Dogs, yeah, they'll turn feral. Cats, they turn feral. Even pigs, you know, if you live out west, you've seen them out there. Even pigs will turn feral. They can defend themselves. In the wild, they revert back to a wild state. Sheep, not a chance. A lost sheep is toast. You will never find a feral sheep, friends. And the reason I say that is because you know what? In fact, Father, whatever his name was, was right. We are, we are those sheep. We are, without Jesus, helpless. But here's the thing I want to show you this morning, is that we are sheep. Yeah, I'll own that, and it's true. And Father Josh showed me a video. It's on my Facebook page if you guys saw it. It's a picture of an image in a and somewhere over in the Middle East, this woman who's got a sheep, and the sheep is head down in a ditch. Have you guys seen this? It's hilarious. This woman, young girl, maybe 16 years old, is a sheep, and his legs are sticking out of this crevasse in the ground, and he's wiggling around, and she puts a rope around him, and she pulls him out, and he's squirming, and she pulls him out of this hole, and he, he comes out, and she takes the rope off, and he jumps up in the air, and he runs over here, and he runs over here, and he goes, bloop, and he jumps right back in. It's hilarious, and that's the point, right? We have a good shepherd, friends, and his name is Jesus. And far from being this effeminate poster boy from 19th century Victorian stained glass windows, Jesus actually leads his sheep. Jesus fights for his sheep. Jesus dies for his sheep. He says so. That's what makes him good. He lays down his life for his friends. That, or for his sheep, that is what makes him good. And let me show you something which is really cool. This idea of laying down your life. You know, what does that even mean? I don't know what that means in English, but the Greek is the word uh, tethemi. And when Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep, it's actually a really interesting word. It means I am doing this out of a commitment to somebody else. I am committing to this. I am giving something which I own away for the sake of another. I am laying my life down. Jesus gives his life willingly, friends, with a purpose, deliberately, with intention. He willingly gives up his life for yours. Like Ralph Johnson gave his life to save his friends on Hill 146 on March 5th, 1968. But Jesus gives his life not to save us from a grenade, Jesus gives his life to save us from hell, to restore us to a relationship with God, our Father in heaven, to save these sheep who are lost, who cannot save themselves. 
He gives his life. He lays it down. He commits it purposefully. That is what makes him good, you see. Not nice, not warm and fuzzy, not politically correct, not a social justice warrior. No. Jesus says he is the good life because he lays down his life for you. And I want to show you something I never really noticed before. I'd never really thought about before, actually, until I was reading this book. That sacrifice, listen to this, sacrifice is the, listen, this is a little counterintuitive, but stay with me. That sacrifice is, in fact, the greatest form of love. You know, in English, we say, we say this in English. Here's how the English translation is usually rendered. Greater love, in the King James, greater love hath no man than he lays down his life for his friends. Okay? But if you, if you could translate that, and you could, you have to paraphrase it, you've got to move the word order around to go from Greek to English. But here's another way you could actually say that. You could say this, to sacrifice for another is the greatest act of love. To, to sacrifice for others is the highest mark of love. You know, think about this for a second. Most people think of love as kindness and charity and saying please and thank you and being patient and tolerant and friendly and all these things. And those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But greater love has no man than to sacrifice his life for his friends. Suffering for another is the greatest act of love. We see that in the sacrifice of our good shepherd. So here's my question for you, right? So this is all about you. Well, it's really about me, but it's also about you. Where is God actually calling you? Where is he calling you to sacrifice? I mean, in a, in a sense, you know, and I have to say, honestly, in a sense, you know, stories like Ralph Johnson, they're kind of a challenge to me because, you know, the, the likelihood of me having to dive and land on a grenade in Vero Beach is pretty slight, right? I may have to dive and save a falling cocktail at a party somewhere. But, I, but the chances of diving and falling on a grenade are, prob- are, are pretty slight. But I want to challenge you on this. You and I, friends, can still sacrifice. McCraven writes this. I'm going to quote. It's kind of a long one, but I'm going to quote it because it's good. He says, For most of us, our sacrifices are little acts of giving that build upon themselves. The single mother who works two jobs to care for her children, the teacher who labors over a struggling student, the cop who coaches basketball. McCraven says, What makes these sacrifices so heroic is that there are, no, uh, there are no adoring crowds to thank you, no awards to receive, end quote. So what about you? Maybe you are a caregiver to a spouse whose health is failing. Being a caregiver is a humongous sacrifice. And in fact, the thing is, people never talk about how hard it is. Maybe your kids are struggling with school or your friends has a drinking problem or you, uh, you, need, you need to step in to help that thing. I don't know. What it, whatever it is, man, fill in the blank. You've all got stories. You've all got lives. You've got people that you have to sacrifice to to help. It's going to cost you something. It may not cost you your life. It might, but it will cost you. So here's my challenge for you. Where can you sacrifice for another? And will you do it joyfully? Will you do it knowing that Jesus did it for you? Where will you sacrifice a little bit of your time your talent, and your treasure every single day for another, without fail. Let sacrifices, McCraven says, let sacrifice become a habit. 
So Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for you. He gives his life away. He lets his life be a sacrifice in your place and in mine. That's the first reason he's the good shepherd, but he's also the good shepherd for a second reason. Briefly this. He's the good shepherd because his sheep know him by name. John chapter, three, uh, chapter 10, verse 3. How, do our she- how did the sheep respond? Point number two, Jesus says this. The good shepherd calls his own sheep by name. What do you name a sheep? I don't know. Harry? <laughs> that was a joke, friends. <laughs> My kids always say, Dad, you're not very funny. Well, I think I'm funny. He calls his own sheep by name, right? He calls you by name. He calls me by name. And the sheep follow him. Why? It says right here. For they know his voice. That word for is the word gar. It means because. He calls his sheep by name and they follow him because they know him, because they know his voice. You know, you may not know this. Again, I'm not a shepherd. Most of you aren't either. But in the first century, shepherds led their sheep from the front. They would walk ahead of the sheep and the sheep would follow him because they knew his voice. Three things about this little, that little piece right there, that little sentence. That to be, for the sheep, if the good shepherd is the good shepherd, then there's three things we need to do. Listen, obey, and follow. First, we need to know his voice. You know, a lot of you, I didn't know Jesus' voice when I was younger. I didn't really care either, honestly. But you know, when you begin to be around other Christians and you begin to spend some time in the Word of God and you spend times uh, realizing that the world sells you short, the things you thought were going to make you happy, don't. And you begin to say, you know, maybe I'll entertain this Jesus thing. Maybe I'll at least open my mind to the possibility And we begin to listen. That's the first step. Because, friends, we are all masters of self-deception. We are all masters of it, including me. Few people people deliberately do the wrong thing. I know a few people that are just cruel, but most of us aren't. We just do dumb stuff because we're sheep, right? But the first thing you need to do is you need to listen to that shepherd. If you're going to listen to that shepherd, you need to follow where he leads. You have to know his voice. You've got to know him personally. This whole Easter season is about knowing Jesus personally. And ask him. Ask him. If you don't know the shepherd's voice, you will not know him when he calls you. And the second point then is when he calls you, we are called to obey. You know, that's a loaded word, obey. We don't like the word obey. I don't want to obey anybody. Well, you do obey somebody who has your best interests in mind. My brothers and sisters, we cannot claim to follow Jesus if we are not going to be obedient to him as our Lord and Savior. We have to listen to him, and we've got to do what he says to do. What he says, for one thing, is if you're in a situation of sin, you need to repent. You need to come back to where he is. 1 Peter 2 says, You are straying like sheep. But you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Finally, we must listen to him. We've got to know him. We've got to know him. We've got to obey what he says. And then finally, we have to follow his example. You know, I'm going to wrap up with this. Real heroes run towards the gunfire, towards the problem. Real heroes see need and jump in. Real heroes see suffering and at their own risk go in, full blast. Maybe they're fearful. Maybe they're not sure exactly what to do. But they know they got to do something, and they do it. Real heroes are willing to stand in the gap, just like Jesus did, at great personal cost. 
friends, real heroes follow, imitate, and act like Jesus. We listen, we obey, and we follow. That's what following the Good Shepherd is all about. So let me challenge you this morning, friends. On this Good Shepherd Sunday, are you up for the challenge? I don't want to see Good Shepherd Sunday as a fairy tale. I want you to see it as a challenge for you and I to be willing to sacrifice for another just like Christ did it for me and you. Just as the Good Shepherd sacrificed himself to save you. You know, we are in a very uh, unknown time in our culture right now. Lots of things are in flux. Lots of things are just cuckoo. It's a Greek word. Um, and you know what the church, you know, people lament the church is in decline. I don't think that's true, actually. Are the number of Christians in decline? Yes. But the church is not in decline. What the church needs, you know, is not more Christians, but better ones. What the church needs is not bodies in the pews, but people that listen, obey, and follow him. What the, church, what the, what the world needs, what our culture needs, is a church that is willing to stand up and sacrifice and follow the examples of Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. So here's my challenge to you this morning, my charge. Are you willing to listen to him, obey him, and follow his example? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus, our good shepherd, who gave his life for me. Help me, Lord, to listen to him, to obey him, And to follow his example, help me, Lord, be willing to sacrifice for the good of another because Jesus laid down his life for me. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.